Hey guys, this is Alexis. And this is Tremus. And you're listening to More, More Wine, Wine Please. We appreciate everyone who listened to our podcast last week. We really, really appreciate all the positive feedback and criticism that we received. You guys are amazing. Yeah, it's going to be super helpful going forward. And on that note, we'd like to actually address some of the criticism that we heard and that we even gave ourselves immediately after listening to the first episode. Yeah. Starting with telling you from the beginning what this podcast is. That would be a good idea. So... Uh, if you go to our website, morewinepodcast.com, it would tell you everything. But this is a podcast, so on the podcast, we're going to tell you about the podcast. It is made by millennials, Alexis and me, but meant for everyone, especially those who are of age to drink alcohol of your choosing. And we're going to sit down with guests from many walks of life, colorful characters from different industries, hopefully a lot of people who you don't know but would like to know or at least like to hear from, and we'll be sipping wine while we do it. Yes, we will be sipping wine, just having a conversation over a glass of wine. So if you are listening to this, um, don't forget your glass of wine. Again, you can learn more about um, the podcast and about both Trey and myself at morewinepodcast.com. Be sure to check us out. And also, this is a special edition of More Wine, Please. We are drinking Prosecco, and I'm going to describe to you what is on this bottle description. It is crisp, clean, tasting, and a luxuriously stylish look. La Marca is an ideal way to make everyday sparkle. It's perfect for a party, picnic, or a weekday soiree. Wow. I wish I was that lavish where I could just have a weekday soiree. Well, I think this is a little bit of a soiree. We've got our Prosecco. We've got each other. What more do we need? That's true. Happy holidays to everyone. Yeah. Um, and um, we're bringing you a special edition because today we are featuring two very special guests. Very, very special. And... You may know them by name. Their names are Trey and Alexis. Yeah, I think that they're popular. <laughs> For a holiday special, um, we figured that we would give you all a chance to hear about the issues that we care about and also get to know us a little bit better before you start listening to us on a weekly basis. So, hope you enjoy. Last week, you guys may remember that we did a little segment called What's Thesis? We're not calling it that shit anymore. Yeah, we you guys were very helpful. Um, and so we're going to go with... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm pissed you did your own sound effects. We can actually... Sip happens. Thank you uh, to the lovely ladies that suggested that. You guys rock. All right. Um, well... It might change again. You never know. It might. Next I could be in love with it today and also want to stab it tomorrow. That is so, very true. That is very true. Um, sip happens. It's still going to be the same thing that what's T-Sis was. May she rest in peace. R.I.P. We uh, also just want to focus on something you probably wouldn't have read or noticed or heard or watched from the past two weeks or since our last episode. So... Alexis, do you want to start with, uh... Sure! What made you pour your glass this week? Okay, so what made me pour my glass this week? 
Um, many of you may know, if you've been keeping up a bit with the news, that the owner of the Carolina Panthers, Jerry Richardson, has been accused of sexually harassing a female worker, as well as using a racial slur against an African-American employee. So all of that is problematic in itself, but we're going to leave uh, Mr. Richardson to um, himself to think about all the terrible things he's done. But in in much lighter news, uh, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Sean, what is he going by these days? We don't care. He posted something the other day that he was going by. I like, don't care. He's just Sean Love. We or, all know who we're talking about, okay. so let's just keep it moving. Um, he actually expressed some interest in buying the team, and so Wait, he, the Carolina pa- Panthers. Oh, okay. Um, Cam and them. Yeah, that is Cam Newton. He's a cutie. <laughs> I like him. He's a cutie. I don't know if he can play or not, but he's a cutie. Um, he tweeted and said, Attention all NFL owners. It's time for diversity. It's time for black ownership. The time is now. Let's make it happen. Okay, that was great. And then Colin Kaepernick tweeted to him and said, I want in on ownership of the group. Let's make it happen. Oh, I saw that. I was yes. wondering what this was. Okay. Yes. I'm glad you brought this up. Um, and then Steph Curry also tweeted at Sean P. Diddy Combs and said that he wanted in. Okay, so the internet was like, you know, black Twitter was like, okay, let's do this. Like, you know, we got three black men saying that they'd buy this, you know, team. Well, there was a news anchor who kind of laughed at the idea of Diddy purchasing this Panthers team and said that he he looked high in the video where he suggests uh. that he should buy the team. Who's news anchor? I know. We got to get into that. Um, And so the person came out and said, I was just joking. Something, something. Okay. I just want to remind some people who think that this cannot happen that in 1979, if you were around back then, I wasn't. I wasn't even a thought. Um, Mr. Robert L. Johnson said, I'm going to found a television network for black people. Ooh. And many of you may know this network as BET. Oh my God. 106 and Park back in the day. And so from that, Johnson became the first black billionaire after selling the network to Viacom in 2001. So why do I bring that up? Because it's important for us to have a place in all industries, in the music industry, in the entertainment industry, in professional sports, in journalism, and, and, you know, every lawyers, doctors, all these things are very important because we continue to break barriers when we do that, when we move forward. And so I just want to remind some people who were a little bit negative about Sean P. Diddy Combs Puff Daddy. What does he go by now? I, I don't He's know. This... I just thought I'd cover it off. It also, was actually something ridiculous. I think we need it to... was something it ridiculous. Was something outrageous. And then anyway. he came back and said that's not what he wants to go by. Okay. But anyway, okay. they also released an article saying that he is like the top earning rapper. He is worth eight hundred and fifty million dollars. So he has the coin. Okay. So that made me grab my glass this week. Um, in celebration. I'm here for it. In celebration, yeah, oh. no. I was like, let's pop this Prosecco. <laughs> I was definitely here for it. I'd like to see what happens. I'd like to um, see how Sean P. Daddy 
B stuff, whatever his name is. Okay. Moves forward. So let's keep our eye out for that. Keep the melanin popping in all industries. Wow. Um, I did not know a lot of that. Uh, thanks for bringing it up. You're Shout welcome. out to them. And best of luck. So. Yeah. What, what made you, me pour my glass? What made you pour your glass? What made me pour my glass was being a journalist, working in news, looking at Roy Moore on TV every day, mm. hearing people talk about him. And that was hard to watch. A lot of times it really was. Very and hard. let's look at what happened to R. Kelly. You know, mm-hmm. he got in trouble for, you know, videotaping himself doing all kinds of foul things to an underage girl. He did not, he was not found guilty. But I started to think about, you know, Roy Moore has basically been accused of being a pedophile. Um, child sex abuse is considered a very serious crime, you know, no matter where you are really in in the world. And I want to take it back a little bit in the history. In 1901, it was the drafting of the Alabama Constitution. You know, you had all your people gathered around and the president says, order, order, we are here. And he starts to announce what the purpose of the meeting is. Mm-hmm. And he says, and I quote, it is to, in the state of Alabama, establish white supremacy in this state. Okay. End quote. And the way they did this was through something that a lot of people learned about in their history classes about, you know, a poll tax and literacy tests that were specifically targeted towards African-Americans to prevent them from voting and even, you know, favored all the white boys in the gang. Surprise, who surprise. had already been registered. They called it the grandfather clause. Now, another little tidbit they put into this constitution was called the moral turpitude clause. Okay. Meaning anything, any crime committed that violated community standards meant that you couldn't vote. Wow. But it was left to the local lawmakers to decide what types of crimes that law was applied to. And of course, again, white supremacy. They're trying to implement white supremacy in this state. It has implications that have lasted to today. There are thousands of black people who didn't get to vote for Obama in the state of Alabama because they're felons locked up in prison under this moral turpitude clause, which they only recently redefined to only apply to felons. Come on now. It used to apply to misdemeanors as well. And I bring this up because if we apply the moral turpitude clause, by definition, being something that violates community standards, I'm pretty sure that pedophilia or child sex abuse would fall under that category. Mm -hmm. Now, the only reason that Roy Moore could not be tried or convicted was because of a statute of limitation. Hmm. If that statute of limitation didn't exist, in an imaginary world where things are fair and things are just, Roy Moore would have been tried, most likely convicted, because he was accused of a sex crime against a 14-year-old girl. Completely heinous. Hain. Hain, as they say. And not even been able to vote in his own state. Wow. Do we really think that someone like that should have been considered for the Senate? That man shouldn't have even been considered to work at Chuck E. Cheese. Mm, I agree. Now, thankfully, that man lost. And therefore, I poured my glass and I sipped. 
support. Cheers. Cheers to that. Um, that was a very hard race to watch. It was. It was. It was. I was stressed. Um, I'm sweating now just thinking about it. It was, it was very stressful. But Doug Jones came through. Black women came through. Black women came Let's through for us all. One and it ain't the first time. time black women done saved our and asses. Let's just last. appreciate that. All right. I all think right. it's time to move on. All right. So, um, as Trey said earlier, we're going to let you guys get to know us just a little bit more. Um, of course, you can visit our website to check us out at morewinepodcast.com. Um, I don't know what my line is here, but <laughs> we're just going to keep it candid and uh, keep it moving. Okay. <laughs> I have some questions here prepared for Trey Sherman. A.K.A. Tramus. Tramus is his name. Um, so, Trey. Yo. You graduated from the illustrious University of Maryland College Park. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I did. Class of 2016. 15. 2015. Don't play me. I'm sorry. I wasn't I think late. I was there. Was I there? I was late, I was but... There. Um, so, tell us a little bit. It's... You know, tell us, it's been a while since you graduated. How's life after graduation been? You know, if you watch any movie or watch any show, you graduate from college, you get this job, and you you move into the city, and you live this glamorous lifestyle, and that's not how it happens in reality. And honestly, for most of my friends, that's not how it happened. And... I guess it kind of follows the trend of life where storybooks don't really tell real stories. Wow, that's deep. Um, you know, how has life been? What was the biggest, um, the biggest jolting moment for you when you realized, like, wow, this is this is real? Like, you know, I've I'm adulting. I think it was honestly realizing that I'm not surrounded by my peers anymore. When you go into a workplace, it's not the same as being in a classroom with people who are the same age as you, who can relate to things the same way that you can, where it's comfortable, where, you know, and anytime you shift yourself from one setting to another, there's going to be this shift. But I think there was one weekend where I realized it was like a Friday night or something and I didn't have anyone to go drink with or go hang out with. I had to get off work. I had to go home. Uh, If I wanted to hang out, it was going to be by myself. I was like, this is just a different phase of life. And my main priority right now has to be on climbing, grinding, working hard, And because I don't know why in my mind, I just assume that, you know, you get a job and you get promoted and you just climb the ladder. No, you actually have to climb and the waters are rising and they're shark infested and there are other people who have ladders that are starting at a higher place. Some people are coming from lower, but they're climbing faster. Some people have ladders that have grips on them, but you just got to keep climbing your ladder and don't be looking left and right. Just look up. I hear you on that one. Um, so, for anyone who has uh, never seen Trey before, Trey is a black man. 
Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so, uh, being a black man, do you live in fear of anything? I wouldn't attribute... Well, that's not true. I think the things I fear most are personal. I fear losing my mind, (laughs) which may sound crazy, but sometimes it's a little bleak. It's stressful to be, to consume media every day a lot of what happens in the news. And you know, I'm the only black man, the only black person in my you know, immediate staff. Um, I don't know. I can't specifically pinpoint one thing that I fear the most. I think a lot of black men have a fear of at least what's portrayed in the media, you know, police. That'd be true. So, also for uh, more of a visual aid here, Trey is a black man with dreads, bra strap length, uh, dreads, lots and lots of dreads. <laughs> yes, these things are um, luxurious. If you ain't never seen them, you miss they them. are. They really are. But there's a lot of uh, negativity that surrounds certain hairstyles, and dreads being one of them. This idea that they are not professional, that they are in some ways. Um, associated with a lifestyle that I know for a fact that you don't lead. So how do you deal with that on a day-to-day basis in the workplace, being in a professional space every day? I don't think about it, to be honest, because I spent a lot of time thinking about it in the past and it doesn't really get you anywhere. I know that people probably perceive me a different way than they would if I didn't have dreadlocks, but It all comes down to confidence, as many things do in life, and the way that you present yourself. It also helps, I think, when you have a way, unfortunately, to prove to people your worth, which is crazy. If I was a black man with dreads who dressed differently than I do, it's like, you can wear whatever you want as long as you look good. But if I didn't also, you know, work for NBC, And if I was visibly, you know, in poverty or if I didn't speak a certain way, people, these are all layers that people use to judge you. And I know that I'm an educated person and there are a lot of things that I have going for me regardless of what I look like. And your loss. Honestly, you're if, if you lost, can't, America. If, if you are that shallow. I agree. Um, what or who empowers you? That is a hard question. And I... Or inspires sure. you or, you know, just keeps you going, keeps you motivated. Honestly, people who can make it just being themselves inspire me from especially people of color because I am and there are far fewer of people of color to look up to than there are of white people who get you know boosted up to a level of adoration whether it be deserved or undeserved Taylor Swift 
You may fall somewhere in the middle. I'm not taking Stop. shots at anyone right no now. Shade, I'm just saying. No tea, no, no shade, no tea. I'm, I'm inspired by Barack Obama in the same way that I'm inspired by Cardi B. Okay. You know, people who found something that they were passionate about and they pursued it to the point of success. Um, and I know a person who has consistently been like that in my life has been my dad just because I know his past, I know his present, I don't know his future, but I can only assume that it'll be just as great as it has been. And he's always been, you know, he's he's been everything. He's been the tough father, the intellectual one, the funny one, you know, always seeming to have the right or the wise thing to say, so... Oh, There's a lot of different places from where I... I love that. I love that. Okay, so where can people find you? You can find me in the street. No, you can find me <laughs> um, at Tremus on Insta. T-R-E-Y-M-O-U-S. You can find me on any given Sunday at NBC. But just don't hop the fence. You can find me on Twitter at Trey underscore Sherman. And you can find me on Facebook if you know me. If not, then let it be, honey. Wow. All right. I love it. I love it. Shout out to Tremus. Oh, Alexa's pouring that Prosecco that she ain't paid for. Is I'm there just any proof that I'm pouring that <laughs> You, uh... Ask me about life after college. It's something that we're both experiencing. We graduated the same year. Do you think that between the time that you were born and the time that you got that diploma, between your schooling, your life experiences, your parenting, that you were prepared for what life is like right now? Yes. um, I think that my parents really prepared me for life today. I think that they really wanted me to be strong. They really wanted me to learn how to deal with different situations, situations that I've never been in before. I think a lot of people tend to um, get get in, get put into these um, adverse situations and it's kind of, well, what do I do? And my mom is a really big uh, proponent of problem solving. And her thing was always like, think your way out of a out of a box, you know. And she jokingly says, like, you know, you millennials can't think your way out of a paper bag, you know. But it's kind of true. When you go shopping and go to the mall sometimes, and I'm just like, girl, you don't know how to, like, reverse the transaction and, like, ring me back up. Like, you know, like, sometimes you meet other people, like your peers, who don't can only follow the formula of a plus b plus c and so i work really hard at trying to figure it out it doesn't always work out for me yeah i remember (laughs) but you know being in college getting to college and realizing that most people didn't know how to do their own laundry and i was like yes it's really quite simple yeah Uh, (laughs) i I didn't get it i mean because my parents were the same way whereas like if you can figure it out on your own without me giving you the answer we're gonna go that route i know a guy my freshman year of college who had someone come pick up his laundry every week who would like do do his laundry and return it back to him and he never i mean he was filthy rich i mean his parents had ton of money um but he did not know how to do his laundry he'd never done laundry before 
And I mean, it sounds so simple, but these people really, you know, exist. So life after graduation, I think it's, you can only be but so prepared. Yeah. Has there been any moment where you felt that you were completely unequipped to handle a situation that you found yourself in? No, I think that there have been times where I have been discouraged. I think we all get discouraged. I think we all have a little, you know, a moment, an episode. But I feel like as long as I can snap back, get over it and say like, okay, pull yourself together, um, then then I'll be okay. One of the biggest things I'd say was just having an aha moment of I'm supposed to decide what I want to do with my life. And... Mm-hmm. It's something that you know that you're choosing in college, right? You pick a major, you know that you are kind of deciding what you want to do, but you don't really know what you're getting into until you're in that field, until you're in that profession, until you're at that cubicle. And in that moment, it's like, a, is this what I want to do or isn't it? And you have to know, the thing about it is that's the first real decision, I feel, that no one can make for you. No one can weigh in on that for you. No one can you know, tell you which way to go. No one can say finance or art for you. You have to say it. You have to know what you want to do. And so I feel like that was the first time that I had to be 100% what does Alexis want. Would you call yourself a journalist? I would. I would. I think that um, being a journalist means that you look at life differently. And I think that we do. I think that when I talk to people, I ask a little, a, a few more questions than the normal person. I am skeptical of everything, more skeptical <laughs> than perhaps my friends may be, because I, I am a journalist. You know, we are journalists. That's that's what we do. The, what's the saying? Like, don't trust your mother. Or if your mother tells you something, you know, double check the source or whatever whatever it is. You know, I mean, I think it's important that we look at life just a little bit differently. That's yeah. how you get the good stories, you know? Yeah, and kind of to segue into another question I have for you, Social media. Mm. You know, there are a lot of ways it's great. It's a platform. It's a, you know, re, reignited this Me Too movement that was created, re, uh, created a while ago. Um, you, however, have told me in the past that you are not a big proponent of social media. Even going on your social media platforms, you are not as active as a lot of people are. Um, so in that way, you're different than, I guess, the average person is, especially in our generation. What would you say, if there is a main component or main thing about social media that turns you off, what what is it? What, what would it be? I think that it's uh, the perception, whether it's the perception you're giving off to other people or the perception that other people want you to take from their social media. So, for example, I follow, I'm friends with someone on Facebook and Someone commented underneath and said, um, I love you guys' life. You know, I, I love your life. <laughs> it's aggressive. I just, I think that that's so absurd to say that you love someone's life because they posted that their husband took them to dinner. You know nothing about what this person deals with at home. You don't know what challenges they face on a day-to-day. You love their life because their husband took them to dinner. That's all that was in the post. There was nothing, you know, riveting. There was nothing she said about her life. She said that her husband took her to dinner. And this person in particular posts pictures of her husband and their children. And it's a beautiful thing. It's great. It's awesome. But in a lot of ways, I think it gives off this uh, false narrative for a lot of people. And it's much easier 
to look at 100 people's profiles and see a two-minute clip of their lives and compare it to the entire 20-something years of your life and think of all the things that are wrong, you know? And I feel like your 20s, you are dealing with a lot of self-identity, insecurities, becoming more confident in yourself, and social media can be very toxic, I think. I think it's a good thing. It's it's an amazing way to connect. It's a good way to spread information. And all those things are wonderful. However, you guys, you know you have that friend that posts way too much. Oh, not That's just friends. always family, family members. Yeah, yeah. Always flashing. Always saying what they have. Always. And even vice versa. I never want someone to think that my life is so perfect. Like, oh, look at me. Because it's not. You know, there's nothing overly glamorous about where I work, what I do, what I wear, what I look like. Like, I am average just like you. I'm trying to figure it out just like you. So I feel like unless you can be comfortable sharing your ups as well as your downs, I personally am not comfortable with sharing the highlights of my life if I'm not going to share the downfalls. And I do not share the downfalls, so I don't share the highlights. True. You know? I And yeah. I appreciate people who do that. There are people, and you know a few of them who went to Maryland, who have come on social media and said, hey, I told you guys about when I got this job and you were all rooting for me and it looked like the perfect job. Well, now I'm here to tell you that it wasn't so perfect and there were some downsides to it and I don't want anyone to think that my life is super great. I appreciate that. Celebrate both parts of your life. But to only show this one narrow point of view... And so many of my friends that I talk to now are saying, like, oh, I'm off of social media. I just felt like it was very toxic. So I'm not against social media. I just think that you should limit your social media. I don't think that you should get caught up into doing things for likes. There are people who strictly, you know, I saw a Pinterest post, like, most Instagrammable places in the world. What? How about (laughs) the most beautiful places in the world that you'd love to go? The places in the world with the most culture. Places in the world with the best food. Those are things we should talk about, not what's going to get you the most likes on Instagram. I'm hearing a lot of things. I'm hearing, I'm hearing about the fakeness, the addictiveness. The addictive. Think about how addictive it is. Narcissism. Um, And then there are people who use it to fuel their self confidence, who lack. But is that bad? Yes. You've got to find it other places. You've got to be confident in who you are because you're an amazing person. You you know how many, think about how many people think about how many likes you get on an Instagram post. Think about people who get five hundred likes, and that's that's on the low end, I guess. These Girl, days. I'm totally affected. If I post something that I think it's like I have an expectation exactly. range, exactly, and then a reality range. But how many? And if of they those don't cross people... at some point, I'll be like, oh well, <laughs> well. But how many of those people? would be there for you if you really needed something. Having those all those people like your photo as if as if it means so much. And then when you're in a time of need they're they're not there. You know, there aren't they aren't friends that you can call on. In some cases they're not even people that you know. Yeah, I mean I think there's there's two different realms. You know, I think we all seek some sort of validation. Of course. In in everything. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I like post a picture and nobody likes it, we're going to fight. But <laughs> I'm just saying I don't want to live my life strictly to post. I want When I went to the Beyonce concert, I was like, I'll be damned 
if I record this whole thing just to say that I was at the Beyonce concert. I took a few pictures, a video, and was like, if I wanted to watch it on a screen, I would have stayed home and saved my little coins. I hear you. Like, live your life for the moment. I'm, I'm not against posting on social media. I think that you should limit yourself on social media. But that's just me. With that being said, you can still follow me. Um, I think my Instagram <laughs> name is like, I think it's at Lex underscore Chanel. I always have trouble finding, Something like, like why is it not your name? But... Do you know how many Alexis's exist in the world? Oh, that's right. That's, that just doesn't exist. I'm sorry. So, that's my little two cents on social media. Yeah. I always, I mean, we should move on. Yeah. My next question is, like you said about me, if you didn't know, Alexis is a black. I am a black woman. Woman wearing black fingernail polish with a black shirt and a black lanyard. She's just pro-black. Maybe. I don't know. No, what I really want to ask is, there have been different waves of feminism. There have been different waves of the LGBT movement. You know, even different generations going through the same kind of uh, struggles for their rights. My question to you is, as a black woman... What do you think your personal struggle is right now? What what do you struggle with on a daily basis? Um, what do I struggle with as a black woman? Not even to speak for all black women, but is there anything that you go through that you can attribute to your blackness? Yeah, your I think being aware of my blackness is something that I struggle with every day. I think when you are in a place where you realize you're outnumbered three to one, four to one, five to one. Sometimes 20 to one, 20 depending, to on one where you are. depending on where you are. That's something that you're faced with every single day. And so as much as you want to pretend that like it's all Gucci, like mm, you are aware of that in that moment. When you walk into that room, you are aware that you are the only one there that looks like you. And... That's difficult. It's something that you you really have to learn to how to deal with it. You know, you, you really that's where the confidence part really kicks in. You know, that's where you're like, okay, I want to be myself, but I also see this going on over here. I see this person being just a little bit nicer to you know having a little more conversation with her with the blonde hair that doesn't exactly look like me. You know, yeah. and then you have to go and you you are having this conversation with yourself like, okay, is she having a conversation with her because she likes her or she knows her or because I'm black and I'm the only black woman here and she's a white girl and that white woman sees herself in that young white girl and so she's talking to her over me. And that is something that you have to, that, that is a struggle every single day. It really is a struggle. I mean... You know, and then for our natural hair ladies, that's a struggle walking into a professional space and again, realizing that your hair isn't like the other women's in the office, you know, that your hair changes every day and and having to deal with when black women, let me not say for black women, but when I change my hair, I am aware of the fact that when I walk into a professional space, it's like Pandora's box. (laughs) You don't know Meaning? what comment you're going to get. You don't know what type of... I've once had it's out, say, it's out. Oh, your hair. 
<clears throat> I've had people, I got, when I cut my hair, like, a few months ago, months later, someone said to me, oh, you got a haircut. I've had people comment on my wig, like, oh my gosh, your hair is so thick. I can't believe it grows out of your scalp. Your hair is so thick. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> so it, it is true. a challenge. Being black is something that you are aware of in all moments. And um, learning to deal with it once you get into the professional world is a challenge. I hear you. But I- shout out to all my natural hair black melanin queens because we are popping and i think having that reinforcement to let you know like my fellow melanin queen over there is popping and so am i is very important okay well then shout out to dreadheads too because whenever i see you i'm gonna say hello unless you right. your hair is you know the black you know the black nod <laughs> you went to maryland i Wait, know so you, you got th- the nod no everybody has everybody, everybody has, has, the, has a nod it's like the nod yeah but then you know there's like I don't want to say like the white version, but there's there's a professional version of the nod. You know how people? Okay, so you're walking in the hallway, right? With and, other black people, you mean? No, with anyone. Oh no, yeah, but we're not talking about that nod. I'm talking about the nod. <laughs> you know what where, nod I'm talking about, though? Yes. You, I know what nod you're talking about. Where you kind of like say hello without yes. saying anything? No, but you know what nod I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're on this the far right of the building. The black person's on the far left, and y'all make eye contact and give just a little smile just to let each other know, have a good day. Oh, Continue to prosper. True. That is the black nod but that But some I'm people about. don't be about the nod. And if they don't, I'm like, oh, <laughs> where'd you come from? Then all of a sudden, oh, you, she uppity. Right. She persnickety. No, I, I will. She's a snob. Let you not give me the black nod somewhere. <laughs> I will, in my head, go off. So, yes. But it's very important. That sense of solidarity is very, very important. All right. Uh, Alexis and I, I think we're wrapping up, but I have a story to tell before we're done. Alexis, do you have Ooh. anything that happened to you this week? Um, no, I want to know what happened to you this week. <sighs> okay. There's this bar I go to a lot, often. It's called number nine. I was going to say, is it number nine? Yes. You've been there with me. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm at this bar with my friend. We get our drinks and we start heading up the stairs. We see a woman. She's coming down. We're going up. Her and I make eye contact. And just something about her, I don't know, that liquid courage, I said, hey, I'm Trey. Nice to meet you. And we had a little exchange and she says, you should go upstairs and meet my friends Kwame and Jordan. Now, I'm going to give you a little hint here. I am in a bar in the middle of D.C. It's a whole bunch of white people in there. So I go upstairs with my friend. I was like, who you think it is? He was like, I think it's them. I said, well, I think it's them. He said, all right, bet. So he goes up to his two. It ain't Kwame and Jordan. I go up to my two. They're in a group of five. It's those two, two other guys, and a girl. And I say, excuse me, everybody. Is anyone here named Jordan? Jordan looks at me and says, yes. What made you say that? How do you know that? I said, well, I'm a psychic. Everyone perked up. I have the attention of everyone in this circle right now. Because when you say some wild shit like that, it might be time to listen. So I'm stringing them along, you know, just saying, yeah, I mean, I'm a psychic. Yeah, da, da, da. And then eventually I say, but... Which one of you was Kwame? So Kwame looks at me and he's 
his eyes like pop out of his head essentially and everyone is a little bit shook and then almost right on time the girl we saw in the stairwell comes upstairs with a friend and of course then I have to come clean and you know it was just a good way to meet a group of people right we're all hang- having a good time we're laughing we're joking except there was the one guy who wasn't in on the joke the guy who came up with the girl from the stairwell and he's just lost and out of place in this in this group and he's trying to interject and he's asking me questions and he's just very anti me it felt like and so I took it personally and I eventually just said to him you know what has anyone ever told you that you come across kind of like an asshole and it just disrupted the entire the entire flow the entire aura the whole synergy of the group was just shook like everyone's covering up their mouth <gasps> oh my god like they couldn't believe I would say such a thing it got really awkward and I realized it was time for me to leave and I tapped my friend I said yo we, we gotta go he was like what and I was like we, we actually we have to leave um and so that that was the end. I mean, the lesson being black names are black names and it's not racist if you black too. And don't call people an asshole when you first meet them. And people who are shook by extraordinary good things are just as shook by extraordinary bad things. Wow. So why did she want you to meet Kwame and Jordan though? Because they were the only... Black people? Other black people wow. in the whole bar. Wow. <laughs> Which is the only reason I knew who Kwame and Jordan was. Right. Anyway, it was a very fun moment for me. I had people convinced that I was a psychic for about 30 seconds. Wow. And um, that's something fun for you. Something fun for you to try. Maybe. Yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm all about going to number nine and telling people that I'm a psychic. You trying to go to number nine after this? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh well, guys, I guess that's the end. Uh, I hope you were entertained, informed, and engaged. If not, let us know why. Let us know how we can be better. And uh, if you guys have any ideas, show ideas, something that you think we should talk about, mm, someone we find very interesting. Mm, I'm kidding. Go on. Wow. Trey does not want you to be interesting. I want you guys to be great and prosper. Um, you can tweet us, comment on Instagram at More Wine Podcast. Is that what it is? It's at More Wine Podcast. We're also on Twitter at the same handle at More Wine Podcast, and on the World Wide Web. Use Chrome, Internet Explorer, Mozilla, uh, Firefox. Whatever you choose to go to morewinepodcast.com and you can find us, read the blog, learn more about us, read our bios, follow, 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 listen, comment, like, do whatever you want, but uh, drink more wine and listen to more wine, please. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll see you guys in 2018. Okay. Peace out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.